0: Jesus said to his disciples, in the days after the great tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds From the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that He is near, at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away before all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. The Gospel of the Lord. as the church now comes and draws near, draws nearer to the end of ordinary time. So also then in the liturgy, there is a shift in focus, which is that the church then shifts her focus in the liturgy to the four last things, to the things at the end. So the four last things are death, judgment, heaven and hell. Every soul will experience three of those things. All of us will experience death and judgment, And then heaven and hell is dependent upon the state of our soul prior to and at the moment of death. And so in this shift then to looking forward, there are specific things which the Lord says to do and also not to do. And I think that there are misinterpretations, as we can see, sometimes evident, um, as to what the Lord intends when he does shift his disciples' focus towards the end, the end things. So what has happened here in the gospel is that the Lord has been in the temple. He's seen that that whole account of the widow's might and different things have happened there in the temple. He's become very dissatisfied with what he sees there because obviously instead of welcoming the very person for whom it is built and constructed, they always are rejecting him and wanting him to leave the temple. And so he is now, as he is departing from the temple, I think that that dissatisfaction with what is happening there is picked up by his disciples. And one of his disciples says to him, Lord, look at all these beautiful stones, right? Look at all these things that had in, in the way in which the temple has built. I think trying to get the Lord um, to kind of reattach himself with what is becoming evident in a, dis- in a detachment from that temple, not by his own will, but because the ones who have charge of it are now slowly edging him out. That scene where the fact where they do eventually want the Lord to leave and he says to them, your house is left to you desolate. It's no longer the house of the Father. It has become their house because it serves their purposes. It serves their ends. It no longer serves the purposes of God. And so he says, your house is left to you desolate in one of the other gospel accounts. And so the disciples, almost in a desperate attempt to get him to kind of reattach to the temple, they say, look at all these beautiful stones. And he says, do you see these stones? The day is coming when not one will be left upon another. And then he goes with his disciples and they cross the Kidron Valley. And they sit down on the Mount of Olives. And if you sit there on the Mount of Olives, you do have a very profound and beautiful view of the city of Jerusalem. It gives it a perspective that is, that is profound and beautiful. And the Lord sits there with his disciples when he is giving them this teaching. And so it can be interpreted and is interpreted in many ways. Uh, one of the ways in which it's interpreted is in the historical destruction of the temple of Jerusalem, which didn't happen long after Uh, the Lord had, had died and after his death and resurrection, it wasn't that many years after that, that eventually the Roman army came in and destroyed the city of Jerusalem. And you have a very detailed account of that destruction with the Jewish historian Josephus, and so you can you can look that up online and you can read through what happened and the terror and the horror of all of those uh, things that happened to the Jewish people at that time, that f- when they were all gathered there for the Feast of Passover and the Roman army surrounded them and then the slow destruction and the killing off of millions of Jews within the city and then also the tearing down of the city that happened. And so that's one interpretation, that's one fulfillment of uh, what the Lord has said, which is that these things will be shaken, that they will be disturbed, and that there will be a judgment in a certain sense on the city. But it is also towards the end. It's for each individual soul that the Lord is also speaking, and also his final judgment when he comes at the end of time. And so what the Lord says, he says, In the days after the great tribulation, And I think that that's also important because when we read things like from the prophet Daniel, as we did um, in the first reading for today, where he speaks about a time of trouble and then the resurrection, sometimes the temptation that can creep into the hearts of Christians is that they put all of their focus on the time of tribulation and not on what comes after it. And so, what can happen then is that, uh, and this has happened in every generation, you can read through all the writings, even of some particular saints. You can read this type of apocalyptic frenzy that can creep into the interior heart and that can creep into and disturb the interior. And that's not what the Lord intends when He speaks about a coming tribulation. It's not to give in to the fear of the tribulation, but to look forward even beyond that to what comes after. And what comes after, even what we see in the prophet Daniel, which is that yes, there is a time of suffering, a time of tribulation, but what follows it is the resurrection. Those who are raised then, that is where we shift our gaze. That is where we look to the resurrection because that is um, our hope. Our hope is that after trial, because of the crucifixion and the death of the Lord and his resurrection, that we now who die with him can also be raised with him. And so it is for the Christian not to be fearful, not to be overcome with fear of certain apocalyptic uh, signs, but to look forward to the signs of the resurrection. That's the sign that we learned, the lesson from the fig tree. The fig tree, what the Lord is giving here as an image, is that when you start to see these things, especially on the fig tree, it puts forth its shoots and its leaves. That's not a sign of coming death, but a coming sign of fruitfulness and life. And so he's shifting his disciples' gaze from coming trial and difficulty, preparing them for his own trials and his own sufferings in the Passion, but also pointing forward beyond that, that there is a resurrection coming. There is a resurrection for those who live in the grace of Christ, who live with his grace within them, and who die in that grace. And so that should be where our, uh, our gaze, our thinking, our thoughts, that's what we should be focusing on. And this is what the Lord says at the end, where he just says it is about watchfulness, right? It's about watchfulness. Be prepared, watchful, and sometimes that uh, state of watchfulness is also misinterpreted it can be looking at what everyone else is doing that's not what watchfulness is if you set up a watch on a city gate it is for the purpose of looking for what could come in and harm that which is within but it is also about preservation of that which is that all the things that are within that city gates and so also with the heart one of the church fathers says that it is specifically for our heart that we keep watch. And the way in which we keep watch over our heart is that we become attentive to things that might creep in and enter in and become sin in the heart, but also that we guard what is within the heart, the grace of Christ, the love of Christ, and that we make sure that that is protected within us. That is this state of watchfulness. Lastly, you have a shift in the readings from the prophet Daniel And it then goes on to St. Paul's letter to the Hebrews. And he is speaking here specifically about the sacrifice of Christ. And whenever we think about the resurrection, we have to think about the sacrifice of Christ. Our hope in the resurrection is tied to Christ's sacrifice, which we celebrate and participate in here at the Mass, but also in the Eucharist and Holy Communion, We know in John chapter 6, the Lord ties our resurrection to the reception of his body and blood. If you do not eat my flesh and drink my blood, his life, he says, will not be in us and we will not be raised on the last day. And so to eat his flesh and drink his blood, then his life is in us and then he will raise us up on the last day. And so our resurrection, which is what we set our focus on, And what we, again, install that watchfulness over our heart for the purposes of, this is also sourced for us in the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. And so as we come here and as we participate in this Mass, in Christ's one for all suffering and offering and his sacrifice, it is here that we receive his graces through the sacraments, through confession, baptism, but then also most especially from the source of all the graces of the sacraments, Christ himself in the blessed sacrament. And in faith we come and we receive him in Holy Communion. We truly, when we receive the Lord in Holy Communion, we receive him entirely, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And because we are nourished on the body and blood of Jesus Christ, we are also handing ourselves over to him in hope for that day of resurrection, that after the tribulation, whether that is individual or whether that is general. Every soul will go through a tribulation and death. And then after that tribulation and death, we look forward to the hope of that resurrection with Christ, where he will then take us, those who have been in his grace and died in his grace, and we will enter with him into eternal life. That is where we look towards, and that is what we pray for and hope for other souls, we are commissioned, then, not only to watch over our own hearts, but in love, to love our neighbor as ourself, to watch over the hearts of others as well. And if they have strayed, to bring them back. If they are without grace, to encourage them towards the sacraments and grace. And if they do not know Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament and in the Eucharist, this treasure that exists on earth, this treasure which surpasses every other desire and everything that we could ever imagine, if they do not yet know him, that in charity and love we bring them to the beloved of the Heavenly Father, and that we, again, entrust them to the Lord Jesus in the blessed sacrament. That last line from the gospel also causes sometimes a lot of confusion in interpretation. Of that day, what the Lord is saying, no one knows. So don't try to figure it out. If the Lord has not given it as revelation, then it is not for us to think about it. It is more to think about being in a ready state at all times because we do not know the day and we do not know the hour. And then he says, even the angels in heaven, nor the sun. Now, there are some in- heretical interpretations of that. We can never attribute ignorance to Christ as the word, right? As the Son of the Eternal Father, He knows all things. He is one with the Father. And so St. Hilary, as in his interpretation of this, is correct, and it is the interpretation that the Church then takes as well, which is that it is simply not something that He has been sent by the Father to reveal. And so this is not part of what the Father wants revealed on earth. And he says, but only the Father. And so what happens is we turn towards the Father who knows not only the end of all things, but also the end of each of our individual lives. We turn to him most especially here at the Mass, the prayer that is oriented towards the Father through the Son and in the Holy Spirit. And it is here that we pray to him that we will be protected in his grace and that we will have that gift and grace of final perseverance so that when it comes the moment for our death and judgment, that by his grace we will have persevered in his grace. Amen.